Killing Type, a novel by Wayne Jones, Chapter 24. It's the brightest of bright, sunny winter mornings when I awaken at precisely 10.27 a.m. I have things to do, but I loll in bed watching the light as it moves across the various objects in my room, as if it is having trouble making up its mind. There are shouts outside on the street that I can't quite place, and then a loud thud in the hallway outside my door that I hope is not the landlady falling again. I listen for the telltale sounds of a woman who shouldn't be walking unaided in the first place, attempting to right herself from a hard floor. Nothing. Good. 10.46 and I smile at the 19 minutes of my life that I have, what, wasted? That seems much too harsh. As I set out on, the, on this new phase, I have to make a pact with myself to be a little less rigid, not criticize and analyze everything to the exact letter. This will be a day of purity, of ascetic bliss, a day to quietly look forward to the dramatic changes I am about to put myself through, to pack up my mind before I pack up my belongings. This time passed under all cotton sheets, off-white and striped in blue, this is the only kind of quiet luxury I will indulge in today. I will neither eat nor drink to excess. I may take a brisk walk, may stay in and read something that has nothing to do with murder, may loll in the tub in those bubbles that smell like clean. I've often had trouble with transitions in the past, not only in adjusting to them and accepting the new situation, but also in simply making it across that bridge. This time, however, I am feeling that I could accomplish the move with some expedition and fewer puns. There is something about the contrast in the before and after states, oh dear, that ironically will make it easier this time. When I was pushed out of Toronto U and moved here in the first place, for example, or any of the times before that when I have moved from one college to another, all those have been cases where I was leaving a job, however undesirable sometimes, and headed for another job, more desirable generally, but still a daily commitment of some sort. This time it is the bliss of a kind of retirement, but nearly 20 years before that usually happens, and so with me a sound of enough body and mind to be able to enjoy myself. I sit on the edge of my bed, hands clenching the mattress beside each leg, and look down at the scruffy t-shirt I am wearing, the ghost of greasy stains still haunting the front in spite of my repeated efforts to efface it. I am joyous that this does not bother me in the least, I do eventually heave myself from sitting to standing and head to the bathroom to perform the usual rituals, though I skip the shaving. What a gorgeous luxury this seems, and I realize that my appreciation for anything today will be keener than it likely deserves. It's raining outside, and though I noticed this with my first step onto the battered, gum-blackened sidewalk in front of the house, I do not go back to equip myself against the wet. I'm wearing good sturdy shoes and a dark green lined overcoat which at least affords me some protection against the cold. And with my hands in my pockets and my head slightly bowed, I am quite comfortably refreshed out here. I walk with two topics coursing through my head. One, my overall plan for the future, as grand as that sounds, and the other a kind of rehearsal 
much more immediate and of shorter duration than the grand planned. First, the future. I persist in feeling giddy about it, even though on paper my prospects do not look rosy. I have nearly run out of my meager funds from the retirement package from Toronto University, and I don't have any other job to go to. Even if there is a faculty position out there just tailored for an academic of my credentials, the competition is always fierce for such plums, and in any case the hiring process itself generally takes months. I get tired just thinking about the whole thing, finding a posting, applying, waiting for an acknowledgement, hoping for an interview, and on and on. I probably won't even put myself through that horror. Instead, I imagine doing something much more simple, and I try not to romanticize any of the uglier realities. I do not envisage myself waiting on tables or opening a small bookstore or otherwise trolling through interpersonal tedium in a fruitless quest for redemption and money. No, not that, not that at all. I imagine something with the body, working construction perhaps. I have a cousin somewhere in Alberta who's part of a union, or maybe even learning a trade which demands some modicum of intellectual effort, plumber, electrician, something like that. Comfortably ensconced as I have generally been in the ivory tower of academe, I have never investigated whether perhaps the government would be willing to subsidize the training costs of an impoverished but otherwise respectable citizen. In any case, I am perversely optimistic. As for the immediate present, 